Anytime we are presented with information, we essentially have three options. First would be to just simply believe the information. Secondly, we could do the opposite and just reject the information. Or a third option would be to neither accept or reject, but question it and thoughtfully consider and research the information until we have had a chance to have an informed position on it and to make a decision whether to believe it or to reject it. So my request is that anything you hear in this podcast, as well as from any other source, is that you don't just agree or disagree, but to question it, to research it, thoughtfully consider and come to your own position on it. And there's something that I noticed that I've had to work around in Genesis, particularly regarding the story of Adam and Eve and the forbidden fruit. One particular issue I had was when the serpent forbids man to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He says that if he takes from it, even touches it, that he will die. But they do take from the tree, and they don't die. In fact, not only do they not die, but their eyes are opened and they can see and they know good from evil. Or they know good and evil. So wouldn't that mean that the one that forbade them from taking from the tree lied? Because of the children's book version of the story noted as the fall of man, I found myself trying to work around this, but I can't anymore, and found something particularly important between chapter 1 of Genesis and then chapter 2 and 3 of Genesis. And I hadn't caught this before. I went down a very different path. It is the name of the listed creator. In Genesis chapter 1, the creator is God. The word for God, in Hebrew that chapter 1 God is derived from is Elohim. Elohim would be the sons of God and the attributes of God and we can see this evidenced in in other names that we see in the Bible like angels. Examples being Michael, Raphael, or Gabriel. The El being the shortened form of Elohim or God, the rest of the name being the attribute. In Genesis chapter 1, we read in verses 26 through 27, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, plural, after our likeness, the sons of God, Elohim. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, there isn't a mention of woman here. There's a mention of man and them being created male and female. Man was created. Male and female of mankind is what it appears to be in Genesis chapter 1. It appears to be like a species, mankind. 
Then also God created food or meat. In Genesis chapter 1, then if we go down to verse 29 and 30, it reads, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So for man and beast, anything that has the breath of life has been given green plants for food. It doesn't say for man to eat the other animals. It doesn't say for the other animals to eat other animals. It just says trees, plants. There is no tree or plant that is considered off limits. No mention of it at least. That comes in chapter 2. Now, if you look in chapter 2, starting at verse 4, the name of the Creator changes. It's something that seems to slip through the cracks. I know that I've overlooked it to try and fit the narrative of the conventional thought of the story of Adam and Eve and creation. But this is an important difference. In Genesis chapter 2, the Creator is now, capital L-O-R-D, God. If you look at the etymology of Lord, you can see that it means a master or a leader, and you attach that to God, it would be like the leader or the master of the Elohim. You can see the name of who the leader of Elohim very well could be in Enoch chapter 6. And the name of the leader that bound themselves of the Elohim that bound themselves by mutual imprecations would be named Samjaza. What takes place in, Gen- in Enoch chapter 6 is also what we see happening in Genesis chapter 6 when the sons of God had taken the daughters of man for their wives. Enoch seems to have a little bit more information. It names who the sons of God are that bound themselves by mutual imprecation to do this thing. In reading through other sources, looking at the meaning of capital, all caps, L-O-R-D, God, I found that it's also referred to as Adonai. As I did more research, I found that Adonai is also a Levantine or Canaanite or even Phoenician name, like versions of Adonis also known as Baal, or Tammuz. Again, don't take my word for it. This is important. I ask you to study this for yourself. So when you look at Genesis chapter 2 and 3, the Creator is not the same as Genesis chapter 1. And what we see in Genesis chapter 2 is that the Lord God, Adonis, Adonai, Baal, Tammuz, appears to be many different names for the same entity, forbids man from eating of the tree of knowledge, even threatens that they will die if they touch it. We can see in Genesis chapter 3 likely why he forbade them from eating from the tree of knowledge. 
It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. So because their eyes were opened, they knew good and evil. The Lord God was not pleased and kicked them out so that they wouldn't receive eternal life through the tree of life. So what does it say? It says that, Behold, man has become like one of us. What is the difference between the sons of man and the sons of God? It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now this goes against what church and Sunday school taught me, but I have to be honest in applying it to the Gospels as I realized the children's book version is a complete flip from what, the, from what we see actually in Genesis. If we look at what Jesus does, he provides us with the law of God, the Ten Commandments of Exodus chapter 20. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, then the Ten Commandments provide us with the knowledge of good and evil. If we don't know them, we can't keep them. And Jesus is the only way to the Father. He provides us the way to eternal life. The Lord God of Genesis chapter 2 and 3 was working to prevent man from knowing the way, which is Jesus, the knowledge of good and evil, the Ten Commandments, the law of God, and a path to the Father, eternal life. The Lord God, as we see in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, seemed to have lied, telling man it would kill them. He threatened them so that they wouldn't seek the Son of God to have their blindness healed so that they can see. He was preventing them from the Son of God, Jesus. And then once they did reach Jesus, then he was trying to prevent them from having eternal life, the tree of life. It's the opposite of what we have been taught, at least my understanding. So then this brings up an obvious question, what about the serpent? As I have spoken of before, I don't think the serpent is a snake. In its etymology, it is made of two words, sir, S-E-R, and pent. Sir is a guardian, and pent is an enclosure, very similar meaning to garden. The serpent was in the midst of the garden and was more crafty or subtle than the other creatures in the garden. If you look up the etymology of both those words, you will see elements of good and evil. Knowing good and evil. He would also need to be subtle to whisper to man that he wouldn't die. That it was okay to take from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Kind of like a still and gentle voice. Maybe where the idea of the subtly, subtlety trying to get someone's attention with a psst, P-S-S-S-S-T, and not a hiss of a snake, which would just be this S sound, but a P, then S, and then T, psst. When you're trying to get someone's attention, psst, look over here. If you look at 
the word that serpent comes from in Hebrew, using the Strong's Concordance, if you follow through the meaning closely, you will see that the name snake, the serpent, they say that it means snake because of the sound of the long S. But I think it's not a hiss, but a pst. He was subtle or crafty, depending on the version you're looking at. But then if you look at who's crafty, pay attention to the words carefully. Who's a craftsman? In Mark chapter 6, Herod refers to Jesus by saying, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Let's look further at this. And the punishment laid out by the Lord God, because it gives us some more understanding of the serpent, or the guardian of the enclosure. It says, Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, starting in verse 14, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now there's a whole lot in here. You could do I could do a whole podcast just on this, and maybe I will need to. But I think woman is a different species. Man was made male and female. Woman was brought from the side of man. I'm going to point something out here. If you go through and you look at the, use like the strongest concordance, look at the original Hebrew, the word that man comes from is the same word that Adam comes from. Both meaning mankind. And it appears very likely that in some cases they just didn't translate the name Adam into man. The Hebrew was A-D-A-M. At least that's how they transliterate it. It's man, mankind. I don't know that there's a particular individual named Adam. But a species in a particular area, a realm and that when he opened up his side and took a rib, if you look at rib, I've talked about this before, you look at the etymology of rib, and I found it in looking at reef, R-E-E-F. It's a passage through shallow water, an entry point through the side. And when you're looking at reef, it says literally rib. I don't think it's a bone necessarily in his chest, but a portal in, and it might be, could be both. But there's two things that I want to point out here. I'm not going to go through all of this. I'm going to trust that you will go through and look at all these words very carefully. But I want to point out, first, it says cursed, and it gives us an idea of what that probably means. But if you look at the etymology of cursed, you will see it's coursed. C-O-U-R-S-E-D. An example in Etym Online, they also give like the course of a ship. It's a passageway. And then if you also look at the word beasts, the Hebrew word is behema, very similar to behemoth. Here, and this is the English Standard Version, if you look at King James, it says cattle. But this being very similar to behemoth, so then I went through and did a whole word study in Job when it describes behemoth, and it looks like it is very closely related. 
when it says cattle, and I think this is very likely where the term goyim comes from. If you're familiar with that, you can do your own research on that. But the part I want to focus on in this section, looking at the punishment to the serpent, is when it says, and you shall bruise his heel. Because it brings in focus another part of the Bible that I have struggled with, and it's from Genesis chapter 5, verse 26. It's regarding Jacob and Esau. It says, Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name became, or his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore him them. So we're seeing who is the one that grabbed the heel. In Genesis chapter 3, we see it's a serpent. In Genesis chapter 25, we see it's Jacob. This was always a little bit of a stretch for me. I had to try and wrestle around to make this make sense, and I just put it on the side because it didn't add up, and now I can see why. It's because the serpent, the story has been twisted. Because Jacob then also becomes Israel. So then if you read in Genesis chapter 49, verses 16 through 19, you'll see this. It seems to be this is a trail that seems to tell the story, puts things together. It seems to tell us who the serpent and his offspring is. Again, serpent being a guardian of the enclosure, not necessarily a snake. Now if you read Genesis 49, 16 through 19, you'll see this. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, O Lord. Raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. Now there's a, one part that's very important I want to call out first. When it says Lord here, it's not all caps. So in English, like in the court system, when it's referring to a word and it's all used in capital letters, it's a corporation name, a corporate name, which is corpse, it's dead. But here it's not. It's capital L, then lowercase O-R-D. But if you look closely at Dan, who is Dan? Dan is one of the sons of Jacob, a tribe of Israel. He shall judge his people and be a serpent in the way, a guardian of the enclosure, raiding at the heels of the raiders of Gad. Now, if you look at the symbol of Gad, it's a tent, which would be an enclosure. That would probably mean Dan is in the midst of it, in the midst of the garden. Who is it that defends the tent, then? the guardian of the enclosure, Dan. If you look at the shields of Dan, you will see there's two prominent themes. One would be scales, or a balance, as Dan means judge, just as we see with... It says Dan shall judge his people. The same is with Daniel. The whole book of Daniel, meaning judge of God, or God is a judge. It's referring to Dan. 
as God's judge. The other example you'll see for the theme of the symbol will be a snake. And it seems, in just my opinion, that this is another example of the difference between meaning and definition. That Dan serves as the guardian that will judge and dividing according to the path that people are on, as we see in Matthew 25. First, starting in verse 21, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It seems that we see from Genesis 49, Dan will be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path, separating, judging who goes right, who goes left. It's an interesting trail. I think we've been lied to. I've wrestled with this for a long time, trying to make it work. I've done plenty of podcasts trying to wrestle and make this work, but I have to face the truth. Because the truth shall set you free. The truth, the, <laughs> the truth is... That there's one begotten Son of God. Jesus. Yeshua. He provides us with the knowledge of good and evil. And if you love Him, you keep His commandments. He is the only way to eternal life. The Father. Consider, research, and decide for yourself. Godspeed.